We can all relate to the amount of stress we're feeling in recent days. We hear it in the news, in our social media, and in conversations. Pandemic, virus, joblessness, economic crisis, social unrest. Our worries are compounded. Well, I contract is my child is my country. It's a feeling of being at the end of our rope. But God invites us to trust Him. Through these trying times, we can rejoice knowing He has a plan and a purpose in these days. Using this time to better learn to live in faith, we will find peace as He walks alongside us. There is really hope at the end of your rope. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad to be back. I just wish I could see your faces. I miss seeing you, but thank you for being a part of the service, at least this way. I want to also say thank you to you for giving Kathy and I a, a, a little bit of time away. Quite honestly, I was getting just a little bit tired, and there's been a lot of stressful decisions and a lot of stressful situations that we've been working through, sort of trying to reinvent church over the last few months. And it was good to sort of unplug for a few, few days, and uh, thank you for the generosity of giving us that time away. We have some of the most amazingly talented teachers and preachers on our staff, and you got the opportunity to enjoy them and learn from them in the month of July. They, they taught a series entitled Life Interrupted, and boy, was that spot on. If have you had the time, have you taken the time to sort of go back through your life over the last few months and sort of uh, take an inventory of the stress that you have been through? Of all of the difficulties that you've tried to deal with in light of the, the COVID-19 virus, it's absolutely stifling. I mean, just, just wearing the mask. We live in uh, the, the best, biggest hotspot, and if it's not the, it is at least one of the biggest hotspots in the country, in the Houston area. And just wearing that mask everywhere we go and for lengthy periods of time, and then being careful, super, super careful about everything we touch, people that we're with, how long we're with them. I mean, after a while, it starts wearing on you. And then now it's time for school. And is it in person at school? And if it is, does that mean that every single time your children walk in from school, are they bringing the COVID-19 virus into your house? Or if it's just at home school, can you really do that again? I mean, are you really up for this again? I got to tell you, you need to stop and think about all of the difficult decisions that the school boards have been making around us and the, and the administrators and the teachers. I mean, we need to give them a thank you because it has not been an easy thing to work through and they're trying their best to protect us and help us. And we thank God for each and every one of them. And what if, what if a member of your family gets the illness? And maybe it's just mild and it's no big deal, but what if it's not? What if it really is one of those really harsh cases and how do you deal with it and what do you do with that and how do you keep the rest of your family from getting the illness? And will you have a job a month from now, six months from now? 
And what if you don't? What do you do? Where, where do you get the money to pay the bills? And, and how do you compete for a job? Where do you find another job? And how do you compete with so many people looking for jobs? I, this is not easy. This is hard. This is why so many people are saying, I am at the end of my rope. And this morning, we're beginning a new series entitled Hope at the End of Your Rope. I want you to know that our church is helping members that have reached out and said, hey, we need some help. We've lost a job and, and we've lost income and can you help us? And we've been helping members of our church and people who were visiting our church before the COVID-19 began. And, and uh, we want to help you. We want to be there for you. We don't have endless amount of money, but for those who are a part of us, yes, we are trying to help. And we have already helped to the tune of about $50,000. We don't have endless supply of money, but we are still there to help you. You reach out. If you have a need, you reach out. If you've lost your job, and we want to try to be a help to you. The Bible talks a great deal about hard times, about difficult times that we go through. But every time that the Bible addresses this issue, the Bible is really talking about, hey, wait, wait a minute, would you take a step back and take a look at the problem you're going through with new eyes in a new way? And that is what I want to talk to you about today. I want to look at what the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 to 5. So listen to what he says. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us and character strengthens our hope. Do you see the word hope? And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Notice the word hope. There's hope at the end of your rope. And in this passage of Scripture, he shows us where to mine for the hope. So let's take a look at what he is telling us. There's four key principles that he wants us to grab hold of in this passage. And the first principle is simply this, accept that difficult times will always be a part of our life. Notice what he says in verse three, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. He didn't say if, he says when. There's no question that problems are coming. The Bible never denies the fact of problems. God never says to us, just act like you don't have any problems. That'd be ridiculous. And in fact, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, why are you surprised when you are going through hard times, when you are going through problems? Life is filled with problems. You don't have to be surprised by this. In fact, notice what Paul says in this verse, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. See, no matter what decision you make, you are headed for problems. Even if you are dead center in the will of God, problems are coming. I've had so many people have said to me, I thought I had made the right decision. I thought I was in God's will and now I've got all these problems. I must have missed somehow God's will. No, it is the will of God that we go through difficult times. We go through hard times. You can be dead center in the will of God 
and dead center in the middle of trouble. God uses the problems in our life. He intends for the problems in our life. It's how he created this life. So here is Paul. And Paul says this, when you are going through pressure. See, the word that he uses for problems in the verse is the Greek word for pressure. When you are going through the pressures and the trials of your life, be glad. And I already know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be glad. And for some of you, are thinking right now, it sounds like a preacher, doesn't it? A guy who doesn't know the slightest thing about this life. Well, it's not me that's saying it. It's Paul that is saying it. I'm just the messenger boy. And about whether or not Paul understands the problem of trouble, well, look at what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. He says, five times I received from the Jewish authorities the 40 lashes minus one. Five times they stripped off his shirt and they tied him to a post and they bullwhipped him. 39 lashes. It is amazing how many scars were across the back of the Apostle Paul. Five times they did that to him. And that's not all. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea, wondering probably every minute, is a shark about to rip off one of my legs? I have been constantly on the move, meaning I have no house. I have no home. I have no place to hang my hat. I have been in danger from rivers and from bandits and from my own countrymen and from Gentiles in the city, in the country, in the sea. And he goes on and on. What is he saying? I understand problems. I understand what it means to hurt. I understand what trials and difficulties are about. And here is what he says to us. Here is what I want you to do. I, I want you to change your attitude about your problems. I'm asking you to change your attitude about your problems and see these problems as gifts from God to make you stronger. And if you will see your problems in that way, okay, God, here I am. I'm ready to learn. If you will see your problems in that way, you will get stronger. Problems are a part of life, even in the midst of the will of God. There's a second principle that he gives to us, and it's simply this. See your problems as tools to make you mentally tough. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, notice what he says. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us to learn to endure. The word, the Greek word that is translated endure means to be strong. It means to be tough. And he is talking about a, an emotional toughness, a mental toughness. That the more we yield ourselves to God in the midst of our trials, the more emotionally tough and mentally tough we will be. How many times have you faced problems in your life and you did not have the resources for them? How many times have you panicked? 
And God is saying to you and I, I want to move your panic, change your panic from panic to strength, to confidence. I want you to have a sense of confidence when you face hard times and difficulties. Now, the way you do that is you learn how to trust God. Trusting God is, simply means to put your full weight upon him. Instead of worrying and fretting, put your full weight upon him. Learn that you can trust him. You say, yeah, well, I've faced problems and I've trusted God, but you have no idea how many scars that I have gotten from those problems and how much pain I experience from those problems. Most of our hurt comes from our reaction to the problem, not the problem itself. It's about our reaction. Dave Dervecki was a starting pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. This is a picture of Dave Dravecki. And this was in the 1980s. And in 1989, the Giants were headed to the World Series. They got into the World Series. And a big part of why they did was because of Dave Dravecki. He was a left-handed pitcher. He was a fantastic pitcher. But that year, in 1989, he threw a pitch to home plate and the pressure of throwing the pitch to home plate broke his arm in half. You know, what the problem was, he had cancer in his arm. And that pitch to home plate actually snapped the bone in his arm. I was not watching the game, but I saw the video of it. And it was grotesque. It was amazing. There is his arm just sort of wobbling and the, the medic comes out, all the people come out, they just hardly can believe their eyes. He broke his arm just throwing a pitch to home plate. And they found cancer. And he went to work and dealing with the cancer, but they could not stop it. And eventually, they amputated that left arm. And in so doing, he lost his career. He lost his arm. And all he had ever done all of his life from the time he was a little boy to the time that his arm was amputated was play baseball. He didn't know anything else. What in the world would happen to him now? Well, it was two years later. It was in July of, of 1991. He gave an interview to the Associated Press reporter. And here is, here's his quote. There is no struggle about feeling sorry for myself. The question is not why me, God. The question is, what is your plan for me, God? Because with Jesus Christ, I can endure anything. When I read that, my respect for Dave Dravecki went through the roof. Here's this guy in his 30s, and how could he make this statement? Because he had learned over time to trust God, and the worst possible thing that could have possibly happened in his life had happened, and he was still trusting God. If you stop and think about this for a moment, he was fighting. He was fighting for his future. He was fighting for his future. If he would have yielded his life to, to anger and resentment and bitterness, we would have understood it. 
but he would have become an angry and bitter and resentful man. He was fighting for his future. And I want to tell you what God did with him. God created a ministry with Dave Dervecki and helping people's lives that he would have never touched before. And he gave to Dave Dervecki a hope and a future. And what God is saying to you and I, what Paul is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to you and I, is would you change your attitude about what's going on in your life, what struggle that you are experiencing in your life? Would you open your heart to the idea that God is actually using this for your good to make you stronger? And if you will, that is exactly what he'll do. There's a third principle in the passage, and it's simply this. See your problems as character builders. Listen to how he puts it in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure, and endurance develops character, strength of character in us. God is not as concerned about our comfort as he is about our character. He will readily sacrifice our comfort to deepen our character. This is what we talk about as a church all the time, to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. The whole idea of life change, of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, is talking about character, that you and I would have the character of Jesus in our life. We know that building character is a process. It's, it's layered. It's layers of character. We know that growing up our children, seeing our children grow and mature, we know that from the time that they're tiny, they're little, we have to begin to, the, those layers of character. Do, do not lie, do not steal, have integrity. We, we, we have been building into the hearts of our children from the time they're little up. These layers, it takes layers after layers after layers of character building, but that character building doesn't stop when we become adults. We still have to grow character layer by layer by layer. And every time we make right choices in pressured situations, we're growing yet another layer of character. Adrian Rogers was the lead pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. He passed away of cancer in November of 2005. Adrian Rogers and I were friends. We weren't best friends. We didn't hang out a lot together, but we knew each other. We, we had shared a meal with each other a couple of times. We had several conversations just one-on-one -on -one with each other. And we were in so many meetings together. A few months before he died, I called him and we had about a 45-minute conversation. And in the conversation, he asked me if I would pray out loud on the phone for him, and I did. Honestly, it, it felt to me like it, I was praying for the Apostle Paul. I had that high of a regard for Adrian Rogers, and I prayed for him out loud. And when that prayer was over, Adrian said, pretty close to this, I wrote it down as quickly as I could, Mark... God can only use you to the degree 
that he takes you through pain. It's pain through hardship that makes you more powerful for God. I've thought about that several times. Usually when we are in a painful situation, what do we do? We pray and ask God, oh God, please spare me from the pain. Most of the time when we're going through a hurtful, difficult situation, oh God, spare me from this pain. And many times God says, no, I brought this pain. Not to destroy you, but to grow you, to, to deepen your life. No, I'm, I'm not done with it yet. Well, when I'm done with it, yes, I will remove the pain, but I'm not done with it yet. Because he understands how important this pain is in growing another layer of character in our lives. And it's not just for us. The very same thing happened to Jesus. You know how you're reading scripture and you've read that passage of scripture so many times before, but it never logged in. You know what I'm saying? It, it never grabs you, but, but suddenly you're reading this passage of scripture. You've read it many times before and it's like it grabs you by the shoulders and it shakes you and it says, now this is for you. And one day as I was reading through the book of Hebrews, I came across Hebrews chapter five and it was like God shaking me and saying, this verse is yours. And honestly, I can't even tell you the number of times I've gone back to the verse because it surprised me. Here, I'd read it so many times, but I didn't get it. I wasn't, it wasn't grasping. But here is what it says. Hebrews chapter five and verse eight, and listen to what he says. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. We don't usually think of Jesus learning anything. I mean, we understood that as Jesus was growing up as a little boy, uh, through adolescence, he was gr learning and growing uh, with, with, with God and man. We, we remember what Luke said in Luke chapter 1. We understand, okay, well, this happened, or Luke chapter 2. We understand this was happening in Jesus' life. But as an adult, we think of Jesus in his ministry. Well, he knew everything. After all, he is fully God. But he is also fully man. What Jesus, this passage that is happening in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, is actually describing what is taking place at the Garden of Gethsemane and to the cross. And here is what he is saying all the way to the cross. Jesus was still learning obedience. Does that surprise you as much as it did me? And how is it that he is learning obedience? He is learning obedience through suffering through suffering. If Jesus had to learn obedience all the way to the cross through suffering, how much more do you and I need to learn obedience? And how we learn obedience is through suffering. And notice what he says in verse 9, in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest and he became the source of eternal salvation for all of those who obey him. In the midst of the pressure of the problems that you're facing. He is turning your silver into sterling silver. He is strengthening you. He is growing you. Victor 
Gortzel. This is a picture of Victor, or, uh, not a picture of Victor Gortzel, but the book. He wrote the book, uh, Cradles of Eminence, and this is a picture of the book, Cradles of Eminence. And the whole book is about 700 people that Victor uh, Gortzel was interviewing and studying, and then he sort of puts together what he learned from his study, 700 people that were very famous and exceptionally talented. Not every very famous person is exceptionally talented. I've never seen the show, but I've heard of the show, The Kardashians, and people tell me they don't have any talent. How in the world did they get to be so famous? I don't know. Not everybody who is famous is exceptionally talented, but he studied 700 people that were very famous and exceptionally talented. And here's what he discovered. Not everyone, but 95%, not 100%, but 95%, almost everyone, almost every one of them discovered the power and exceptionalness of that talent only when their life was in the fullest of pressure in great difficulty. Only then did their talent rise to the top and all of a sudden they discovered something about themselves they did not know. They had talent, but it was in the midst of hardship and difficulty and struggle that they discovered how talented they were, that their talent rose to the top. And through that moment, God made them famous and exposed the grandeur of their giftedness. Well, you and I are, we're not in the book of the 700 people that he studied, but our story is the same. We may not be exceptionally talented, but what tends to happen in our lives as well the level of our talent rises to a higher level in the midst of difficulty, of pressure, of hard times. And this is exactly what God is doing with this moment in your life. What makes your life great is the hard times you overcame to be able to fully use the talents God gave you. It's the pain. It's the hard times that propels your life to be more usable. I know that you already know this uh, about trees, but, but to remind you, you know, when they cut down trees, most of the wood in the trees they cut down is just average ordinary wood. I mean, it's, it's good for lumber, for two by fours, for paper, and we need those things. All of our houses are made, or most of our houses are made out of two-by-fours, out of, out of lumber. And so it has value, and all of us use paper. We, so it has value. Every one of those trees that is used just for lumber either grew on the side of a mountain, so they were protected from most of the storms, maybe all the storms, the side of the mountain, or in the valley. And though they did experience storms, they were protected from the brunt of those storms on the side or in the valley. Just everyday, ordinary lumber. 
but the trees that they make the most beautiful furniture in the world. Do you know where they get those trees? They are the trees on top of the mountain. <laughs> they are. And you know why they are so priceless? Why they are so valuable? Because they took the full brunt of the storms. And when the full brunt of the storms came, they didn't destroy the tree. They just drove the grain of the tree deeper and closer. They made the grain of the tree more valuable. And now the most beautiful furniture in the world are made from the trees that are on top of the mountain. God is, is making you beautiful and powerful and strong. He's not trying to ruin you. He's trying to grow you. And this is exactly what Adrian was saying to me. This was what he was telling me. It is through pain that God ends up using us in the greatest possible way. Let your problems build your character. Stop being angry with God. Stop being mad at him for everything that happens. Let him grow you up and use you more deeply. Here is the last point, and it's simply this. See the positive overall end to the process. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, so we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us, and character strengthens our hope. There's the word, hope at the end of your rope. And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us because he gives us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He says this, won't dis this process won't disappoint us. When we respond correctly to the problems, we will not be disappointed with the results. We will not be disappointed with what God does through them. Why? Because he loves you so much. I can't begin to tell you how many people have said to me, why is God so mad at me? Does God even love me anymore? Look at all the problems I'm going through. Oh my soul, God has already settled forever and ever that he loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. That's settled forever. God loves you. You've just not understood why the problems. God is using this to grow you, deepen you, make you stronger and wiser and tougher. He is doing this for your benefit. You know what we need to do? What we need to do is to begin making monuments out of our struggles. Enterprise, Alabama was a big cotton town in the latter part of the 1800s, early 1900s. It was a big cotton town, Enterprise, Alabama, until 1915. In 1915, the boll weevil came to town. This is a picture of the boll weevil. It's a beetle. It came to town. And you see this boll weevil is actually on a cotton bud. It eats them. It destroys them. And thousands and thousands of the boll weevils descended upon Enterprise, Alabama in 1915 and totally destroyed all of the cotton crop. 
totally wiped it out. And in fact, most of the people were on the verge of bankruptcy in that entire town. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go because the ball weevils will be there the next year and the next year. What do we do? And somebody, a man in that town, read the findings of George Washington Carver. This is a picture of George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver was one of the most well-known scientists of the early 1900s. He was a botanist. And one of the groundbreaking breakthroughs that he he accomplished was he studied intricately the peanut. It's not all that he did, but one of the breakthroughs was what he discovered about the value of the peanut, all the ways it could be used. And he was recommending everywhere, began to plant peanuts. And this guy read his findings and he, he recommended, it, let's plant peanuts this next year. And I'm going to tell you that a bumper crop. They made so much money that next year, the next year, for the next four or five years, all they planted was peanuts and they just made so much money. And then now the boll weevil was gone. There's no cotton around here to take. And they then came back and planted cotton for four or five years and went back to peanuts for four or five years. And, and they became very wealthy people. And they erected a monument to the boll weevil. This is the monument. It was a monument to the boll weevil. They were, they were saying, we're going to take the greatest enemy that has come against this town and we're going to erect a monument to it showing how we conquered the boll weevil in Enterprise, Alabama. You know what you need to do? You need to erect some monuments to your greatest enemies. Now, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about problems. You need to erect some monuments, sort of speaking into the face of the problem that stares you in the face and with confidence and no fear. You see, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Erect monuments before those things that stand in the pathway of the will of God in your life. Monuments revering how God used them in your life to make you stronger. This is the promise of God. I'm going to tell you, it's not a promise to anybody, to everybody. It's only a promise to those people that know Christ, who walk with the Lord. And if you have never given your heart to Christ, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can today, and oh, how I wish you would. In just a couple of moments, the service will be done, and there on the, we call Next Step Center online, there is an opportunity one-on-one -on -one in a Zoom meeting with a pastor. How can I know Jesus is my Savior? Oh, why don't you today give your heart to Christ? How can I grow stronger in my relationship with Christ? Would you talk to a minister in our church? And how can I join this church? Would you talk to a minister in our church and give him and her an opportunity to talk one-on-one -on -one with you about how you can make a decision for Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful for you and all that you do in our life. And oh God, even for the hard times, you said rejoice in them. They're gifts from you. They're good for us. 
And oh God, grow us up enough to be willing to see them that way and to let ourselves go fully leaning our full weight on you. Move in our heart. Father, I pray you would speak into the heart of those who don't know you, those who are not close to you. This would be a turning point day in their life. And those who are not members of this church, that this day they would join this church. God, move in hearts, I pray, in all of our hearts as we yield our heart to you. As we build monuments to those problems because of the power of God in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.